Good morning. morning. Welcome back to Epic. Good to see you. Glad that you're here today. Um, This is week number two for us. So if you're new, it's okay because we're all kind of new together, uh, trying to figure this whole epic journey out. So last week, let me just tell you a little bit about what happened last week, just in case you didn't make it with us. So last week, we talked about this idea that we all live in a story, that there really is a larger story that's going on all around us all the time. We talked about the idea that we are born into this story. Each one of us are born into this story, that we have a role to play in this story. There's, there's something that God has for us in this story, and we get to choose what role we'll play, what activities we'll be involved in in this story as it unfolds around us today. Now, today we are going to be looking at the main character of the story. We're going to be introducing you to someone in this story that always does what is good right and perfect. The only character in the story that always does what is good, right, and perfect. Now, there should be some Bibles that have been placed around you. So if you have one that's close to you, grab it. If you need a Bible, uh, raise your hand and someone will will bring a Bible to you. We're going to be looking at, at a number of verses this morning out of the Bible as we get familiar with this main character of the story. And one of the things I want to encourage you on a regular basis, if you, if you come and make Epic your church home, is if you have a Bible at home with you, bring it with you. If you have a Bible that you're comfortable with and familiar with, make sure that you bring that thing with you. And, and one of the things I encourage you to do is write in your Bible. And how many of you have grown up in an environment where that was an okay thing to do? Okay, number of you. When I was growing up, I was scared to put pen to the paper for fear that maybe God would strike me dead because it was the Word of God and it was... I just was really afraid. Then I got over that one day, and I started underlining and marking. And one of the things I strongly encourage you to do, if you want to grow in your knowledge of what the Bible's all about and what God has to say in the Bible, is bring a Bible and write in it. Underline, write questions in the margin. You know, there's often, I cannot tell you where something is in the Bible, but I can see it on a page. I know it's up in the right-hand corner, and I, I drew a little, uh, little doodle right next to that thing, or I wrote a question or something. So I want to encourage you to do that. Um, if you don't have a Bible at home that you are familiar with or comfortable with or don't have a Bible at home at all, please take one of our Bibles with you as our free gift to you and use that until uh, you get another Bible that you want to use. Anybody have a cell phone with them? I need to make a call. Actually, you're going to need to make some texts. Um, so get your cell phones out. In a little bit, we're going to be asking you to text your thoughts on God to a number that's going to come up on the screen, and we're actually going to look at some of those this morning. So make sure you have your phone with you, have it out and ready to go, okay? It can be on silence, but make sure you have it ready to go. All right, let's, uh, let's bow our heads and pray together, and then we'll continue the journey. God, thanks so much, Lord, for this incredible story that we've all found ourselves in. Lord, I pray today that you would teach us something new about you. Lord, there's so much that we have to learn. There's so much that you want us to know about this story, and it comes when we know you, and we know you deeply. So, Lord, go before us this morning. Our hearts are open. Teach us. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you think about classic stories, good, you know, those all, those really good stories, the really good movies, they have these kind of magical beginnings, don't they? You know, they have those once upon a time or, you know, a favorite Christmas one, Twas the Night Before Christmas. There's something going on there. Uh, like we saw today, a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. And our story has a 
beginning very similar to that. And I want you to turn in your Bible to page number three. If you brought your Bible with you, you're on your own. Don't know where it is there. Page number three, Genesis 1, in chapter 1, verse 1. Now, if you're not familiar with your Bible, there you'll see bigger numbers on a page and smaller numbers on a page. The Bible's kind of laid out a little differently from most books that you will ever see. So those bigger numbers are called chapters, and the smaller numbers are called verses. So Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, and it reads, In the beginning, God. So this, this tells us a lot in that, those first few words. It tells us that there was a beginning. And it tells us that God was there for it. Now, when we say the word God, it brings up a lot of different thoughts and feelings for people, doesn't it? I mean, there's a, if you think about our world and, and the thoughts that everyone has about God, there are a lot of different thoughts out there. And I'm going to need some participation from you this morning. What are some of those thoughts that people around the world have about God? So feel free to launch those out. What was that? Power. He's a God of power. Awesome. Creator. Angry. He's an angry God. God of love. Merciful. Jealousy. Forgiveness. Okay. What else? Supreme. Awesome. Non-existent. Is that that what I heard? Yes. We hear that one a lot. Where is he? Jealous. Robert, you had another one? Okay, not the real God. That there's a lot of uh, other other gods or different gods out there. Anything else? Untouchable. Untouchable. Okay, great. Any other thoughts? When you think of thoughts on God. People have something to say or a, a, a feeling, emotion. When you say God, and they go, understanding. understanding. He's an understanding God. Fear. Fear. People have fear of him. Awesome. Somebody else said something in the back. Absent. Absent. An absent God. Yeah, there's a lot of, of varieties out there. And I'm going to ask Luke to come back up. In just a minute, he's going to play a song or a portion of a song that came out in the in mid-90s. Anybody familiar with Counting Blue Cars? There's like two of you. Good. It's good. We, we hit a home run on that one. Great. All right, so this group called Dishwala. It's just a fun thing to say. You can say, say it with me. Dishwala. It's kind, of, it's kind of like Mufasa. You know, isn't that fun? It's just... Just a fun thing to say. All right, so they have this song, and in it, there's this chorus that goes that they're asking people to tell their thoughts on God. So as he's doing that, after he does that, we're going to roll into a video that we've put together asking people in our community their own thoughts on God. It's a pretty interesting video. And while all that's happening, you need to pull out your phone, if you have it with you, and go ahead and text this number to this number. Text your thoughts on God. And don't worry, we're not going to put your name attached to it or anything like that, okay? So we'll, we'll protect your identity there. So just text your thoughts on God, and then we'll review some of that when Luke's finished. Go ahead, Luke. That was a pretty neat video, huh? It was not taped during a hurricane, just so you know. The, just that loud noise in the background. Um, and I think, like, all the Christians, it was like Christian um, uh, Friday that they went to the beach where they were at. I was shocked, to be honest with you, when the, the team showed me the video, thanks to the team for the hard work they did pulling that off, when they showed me the video, I was like, wow, I was amazed at all the, those answers that, that were given in that. So we're going to transition some of your thoughts about God. So I'm very confused about God. He serves as a beacon of guiding light. God has a purpose for me. 
loves you, even when you can't find it in your heart to love yourself. Provider, I think he is loving, caring. Is there more to that one? God cannot truly be grasped by the human mind. It, is, it truly is impossible to fathom his awesome and loving force. I am daily amazed by how he loves me. Cool. Thoughts on God? I cannot wrap my head around such a being. I think I can identify with that one. How awesome is this God? Are there any more? That's it. Way to go. Thank you for participating in that. Appreciate that so much. It, it, the reality is there are many different thoughts on God in our world, not only in our community, but in our world. And there are a lot of, of different perspectives that people have. But are they accurate is the question that we have to ask. Are they accurate when somebody has an idea about God? You know, one of my greatest frustrations in life is to be understood. Anybody share that frustration with me? When I'm misunderstood, I sometimes am, t- am tempted to go to great lengths to try to straighten out their thinking, to make sure that they're thinking correctly about me, right? Isn't it fun to do that? And I spend a lot of energy sometimes that does not need to be spent because I want people to think well of me or I want to make sure they're thinking the right thing that I think they should think, not whatever they think they should think. So I spend a lot of energy around that. But a lot of people have wrong perceptions of God, have wrong ideas about Him. You know, God is often seen as that cosmic cop. You know, the guy up there, you know, you do something wrong and down comes a lightning bolt and so you're afraid to look up. You know, it's kind of like in school, you're afraid to make eye contact with the teacher for fear that you'll get asked, you know, to, to share your answer on assignment number four and you don't have it. Um, and we, we feel like our interaction with God is like that oftentimes, or that he's like the heavenly party pooper, that God just does not want anybody to have fun. He's just boring, and he, he's, he's not for anybody having parties or excitement or laughter or fun in their world. It's just, you know what, if you're going to be a believer in Jesus, it's going to be a pretty boring existence. Or we've got that angry Wizard of Oz kind of thing. You know, we've got this you know, floating head around that. He's just this angry guy. And, and we're kind of afraid to interact with him. Or, you know, there's the thoughts of God that he doesn't care. He just doesn't care. Kind of, someone said the absent God. Just a God that doesn't care, disconnected from our culture completely, does not care at all. Let's take a look in the Bible and just see what does the Bible teach about God. So, again, we're going to go back to Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Don't you just love the simplicity of that? I just love that. You know, we often wonder, how did this all begin? How did we get here? You know, uh, were we created by aliens, as some movies want us to believe? Were we created in in another way? Was there this accident in the cosmic kitchen that just kind of belched out a universe that was just the right place for life to exist? Or did something else happen? You know, my personal favorite answer to questions of existence and our origin is found right there. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Verse 2. The earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Then God said, let there be light. And there was light. So this, to this point in the story, we know that we have God, and we have His Spirit, and they're beginning this thing called creation. They're beginning to create. And chapter 1 of Genesis records God creating. I mean, incredible things there. I encourage you to read that later today. God begins to create light, and light 
pops onto the scene. He creates the sky. He creates dry land. He creates seed-bearing plants and trees on the planet Earth. He separates day from night. He creates the seasons. He creates the sun, the moon, the stars, birds, the fish, all sorts of animals. And while God is doing all this incredible creating, and I just can't imagine what it must have been like to be there in that moment, he turns his attention over to Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, and he focuses on humanity. Then God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. And if you jump over to Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, you'll find God actually doing that. Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. Then the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground. He breathed the breath of life into the man's nostrils, and the man became a living person. Now, until this point in the story, God has always spoken, and things have happened. I mean, incredible things. Universes, galaxies, planets, stars, sun, moon, everything has happened just when he speaks. And at this point, God takes a little extra care to create humanity. A little extra attention happens here. We are made in the image of God. And I think we're really still trying to figure out what all that means. And I don't think we have a full grasp of what it means to be made in the image of God. But there is no other creation on the planet Earth that has this distinction. No other creation carries the distinction of being made in the image of God. So God's actions here demonstrate a very caring God a very personal God, a God that's interested in humanity, a God that stops at the creation of humanity and actually puts his hands on us. That's kind of a humbling thought there to think about. God puts his hands on us, forms us out of the dust of the ground, and then kisses humanity with the breath of life. Now, when I was a kid, I loved to play with Play-Doh and... Uh, silly putty. Anybody remember silly putty? Like that kind of stuff. It's fun to create things. And so uh, my mom would get me a little modeling clay sometimes, and I would spend hours in my room just forming and shaping these little figures and setting them up all over the place. And, and it was so much fun to work with my hands and get these little toothpicks and tools to shape and mold this little creature that I was creating. And I get this kind of perspective when I'm thinking about God creating that God has his hands on us, and he cares very much for humanity. And he's taking great detail and great time and great energy to create this first human. And it's a neat relationship. And then you know, my wife and I have four kids, and um, at each birth of our ch- children, it, to me it was just, um, I don't even know how to describe it, like a miracle if, if you have kids or if you've seen a child be born or you've held uh, a child, an infant in your arms, you know, it, it's, it's so precious. You know, there's a little baby back here in the corner I got to stop and see this morning. Friends of ours in Atlanta just had a baby uh, Friday, and oh, I just love that, that phase of life, just to hold that little one. And it's, I, I love to smell their breath. I know that's strange. I'm sorry. It's weird. But they have just, just it doesn't smell like ours. It smells like heavenly. And just to hold this little baby and hold all of my babies so tightly, this is mine. This came from me. I don't understand it. I don't know how it all works, but this little thing that has a heartbeat and it's breathing is mine, and I've got to take care of it. I get an idea like that with God, that God is holding Adam, his first little baby, and he leans down and he kisses Adam. 
and he breathes the breath of life into Adam, and Adam takes his first breath, and he's alive. Now, back to Genesis chapter 1 and verse 26. And you probably picked up a twist in the story. If you were reading along there, paying attention to there, it said, let us make man in our image to be like us. I don't know if that's ever boggled your mind, but for a lot, a lot of years that was like weird. What, what does that mean right there? We talk about God and then all of a sudden God says, let us make man. Now to fully understand God or to more fully understand God, we will never fully understand. And we've got to go back in time before Genesis chapter 1. We've got to start at a different place in this story because the story doesn't start in Genesis chapter 1. So I want you to turn to John chapter 1, which is found on page 809 if you're using our Bibles. John chapter 1, page 809. This is the second time in the Bible where it says, in the beginning. So it starts like this. In the beginning, the Word already existed. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through Him, and nothing was created except through Him. The Word gave life to everything that was created, and His life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. Now, pause there just for a second. So, back at the beginning of our story. We know we have God, we have the Holy Spirit, we have now the Word. Okay, that's kind of a cool nickname. The Word is there. Now, just in case you're not sure who the Word is, look over in verse 10. It says this, He came into the very world He created, but the world didn't recognize Him. He came to his own people, and even they rejected him. But to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. They are reborn, not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. So the word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. Now, This concept of God has perplexed humanity since the beginning of time. And they're having fun in there. (laughs) I think maybe we should go over there and find out what's going on, because it sounds like it's more fun than what's going on in here right now. So in an attempt to understand God and to try to get some handles on this being that now seems to be existing in plurality, humanity came up with this term called the Trinity, okay? So Christians came up with this term called the Trinity, and the Trinity means three in one. Now, you will not find the word Trinity in the Bible anywhere, but you will find the reality of it everywhere throughout the Bible. And an understanding of the Trinity is critical to an understanding of the story. We've got to understand the Trinity at least a little bit to understand the story and our place in the story. Listen to how one scholar describes the Trinity. The ceaseless exchange of vitality, the infinite expense of spirit upon spirit is superlative, triplicate consciousness. Even if you don't get it, you love it. I don't get it. I read that and went, what in the world is that guy even saying? I have no clue what that guy is saying about the Trinity. Here's what a lot of us feel like when it comes to the Trinity. We're like, I don't even understand, so I'm not even going to try. But we've got to try to understand this concept of the Trinity better. Listen to Matthew chapter 3, found on page 735. It gives us the clearest picture of the Trinity in the Bible. Starting in verse 16, it reads this. Matthew chapter 3, starting in verse 16. After his baptism, 
as Jesus came up out of the water, the heavens were opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and settling on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my dearly loved Son who brings me great joy. So here we have in this moment, we've got Jesus being baptized. He comes up out of the water, God in human form. God on the planet, God wrapped in skin on the planet being baptized. We've got the Holy Spirit flying down, landing on Jesus like a dove. And we've got God the Father opening up the heavens, parting them and saying, this is my son. He brings me great, great joy. So whether we fully understand it or not, for all of eternity past, God has existed as three in one, a relationship of perfect harmony in unity, in self-sacrifice, in giving, in joy, in celebration, in creation. Our story began with God living in community. It began with the Trinity creating out of love, out of this love relationship that the Trinity has within itself. God's love caused him to create caused creation to explode on the existence. And God did not create humans because he was lonely. You know, a, long, a lot of times in my life as I've grown up, I kind of had this perception of God kind of being off in a distant place, kind of distracted maybe by the other things going on in the world and maybe kind of alone, kind of an absent kind of figure in the scene, kind of a, maybe a lonely guy. And yet as you understand the Bible, as you understand the Trinity a little bit more, you understand that God was not lonely God did not create us to fill a void that he had. You know, think about that for a moment. What kind of a God would create us for company? We're not that good of company, right? I mean, we have really bad days. So God did not create us so he could express his love. The Bible says that he is love, and creation is an overflow of love that cannot be contained. It just cannot be contained, and so it shows up everywhere because God is love. Listen to how Chuck Colson describes the Trinity. The essence of the God of the Bible is his intertwined triune nature of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The three continuously pour out love to one another and receive love in return. The Trinity exists as a perfect community of self-giving. In this life, Christians can enjoy participation in the community through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. And in the world to come, we will be united with the Godhead in perfect love. The Trinity sums up our final hope. What could be more central to our faith? I want you to think just for a moment about the interaction in the Trinity. Okay, think for a moment. Get just in your your head, in your mind, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And how are they interacting? And I want you to compare that for a moment with our human interactions, okay? In the Trinity relationship, there's no trash talk going on. There's no power struggles. There's no manipulation. There's no image management happening. There's no stretching the truth. There's no gossip going on. There's no sarcasm. No jealousy. You know, the Holy Spirit's not saying, why does it always have to be about Jesus? It's not happening. So in that relationship, Jesus always points people to God the Father and God the Spirit. Always. 
He always says, if you want to know two guys, let me, let me tell you, you got to know God the Father. You got to know the Spirit. The Spirit always points people towards Jesus and towards God the Father. He is always saying, if you want to know somebody, you got to know these guys. They are incredible. God the Father always points people to the Son and to the Spirit, always saying, if you want to know some guys, you need to know Jesus. You need to know my Son. You need to know my Spirit. You've got to know these guys. So repeatedly, throughout the Bible, we understand that God is a very personal God, a very active God, a, very, a God that's very concerned about what's happening, not only around the world, but what's happening in your life today. And he has always existed in community as three in one. Listen to one of Jesus' final prayers while on the planet earth, found in John chapter 17, starting verse 20. It says this, I am praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me. My prayer for all of them is is that they will be one. Just as you and I are one, Father, that just as you are in me and I am in you, so they will be in us and the world will believe that you sent me. God invites us to be a part of this Trinity relationship. The incredible part of the story is that God invites us into community with the Trinity. That's a humbling thing. Now, our programming team has put together a drama this morning that's going to help us look at the idea of living in community. And it'll help us look at our human relationships and maybe do some comparisons in, in them as well as our interaction with God. So take a look at this skit with me and see if you can identify with it at all. Hey, I'm here. Oh, hey, sis. How's it going? How's school today? Horrible. You are not going to believe what happened to me. Oh, hey, sis. How's school today? I just told you. Oh, oh, that's nice. Will, would you please put that thing down, shut your computer, and listen to me for a second? Oh, yeah. Hey, oh, yeah. I just got a hold of Jackie, see, from my uh, high school trip to France. And uh, mom keeps texting me and... All right, I'm all ears. What's up? All right, so like I was saying, today was horrible. Why? What happened? Okay, so for starters, I'm on my way to class, and my stupid car runs out of gas right in front of Books A Million. So I try to call for help, but of course, my cell phone is dead. So I have to walk across to Panda Express in the rain to use their phone. Well, why don't you just text me? I just told you my phone was dead, and I tried to call you from Panda Express. Oh, I never heard the phone ring. Really? So anyway, I finally get a hold of John, and he comes to get me. But by that time, it's 10 o'clock, and I missed my English exam. I studied for four days straight for that test, and I missed it. So afterwards, I go in to try to talk to my teacher to see if she'll let me retake it. Of course, she says no, but that test was worth 30% of my grade. Oh, oh yeah, okay. So anyway, I'm so upset at this point, and I decided I'm just going to go home, and I'm going to relax, and I'm not going to worry about it. But I get home, and I remember I gave John my keys so he could go get my car, so I was locked out of my house. Oh, really? Oh, okay. So I had to wait outside for like five hours for him to come back, And when he does come back, guess what he brought me? Uh, What's that? A 
ticket. Can you believe it? They ticketed my car. I was so upset and John's all like, it's not that big of a deal, don't worry about it. I was so frustrated that I put my key in the lock and I turned it and I broke it. That was my only key. Oh yeah? So okay. then I go and I have to wait at John's house for like ever, sit with his friends and they're watching some stupid WWF whatever nonsense and they were all like baboons. It was horrible. So at least I got to charge my phone while I was there. Anyway, eventually the key mm. guy called and I got to go back into my house with just enough time to make practice. Oh good, that's cool. Well, are you listening to me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you heard a word that I've said? Sure, sis. Okay. Um, did I also tell you that I'm going to run for Senate to fill Ke- Ted Kennedy's space? Wow. Yeah, and uh, John and I are going to run away and get married tomorrow, and we're going to move to Antarctica. I'm going to dye my hair purple, and we're going to raise gangsta penguins. Far out, man. That's cool. Yeah, and I'll never call home, and you will never hear from me again. All right. Yeah, nice. That's, that's cool. Thanks, Steve. Does that look like your life at all or any relationships that possibly you're in? Um, and my kids look at me sometimes and say, Dad, put the phone down. Leave it down. There is this part of our humanity that desires community. We desire to be in relationships with others. There, there's a, a deep longing within all of us to be connected, to be a part of a bigger thing that's going on. We have a desire to belong, to be invited in, to be in relationships and to be in deeper relationships because we are relational to our core. The core of us is, is about relationships because let me remind you, we're created in the image of God. We're created in the image of a being that exists as deep, a deep community, in deep relationship. And so today, Erin played kind of a part of God, you know, not all of her problems and all the stuff that was going on there, but her desire for community. We wanted to show that a little bit today. Many of us interact with God the way Will was interacting with Aaron. You know, many times we're just too busy for God. You know, God's very interested in us. He's very interested in what's going on in your world. He's very interested in what's happening in your moment by moment day. He wants to know what's happening at, at, at all throughout your day, and we're too busy playing with our phones, playing with our computers, trying to get here, trying to get there, trying to get things taken care of. And I, I would say, make a challenge to all of us, that God is trying to get all of our attention you know, today in this moment. Saying, you've been going way too fast. You've been way too interested in what's going on in your cell phone. Maybe you need to start paying a little bit more attention to me. As you came in today, you should have gotten a puzzle piece. Anybody get a puzzle piece as you came in? This puzzle piece represents the critical role that you play in the story, okay? The secret of the story is that it's not about us because it's not our story. This story is about God. It's, it's his story. Now, we have a part to play. We all have stories, smaller stories that are intertwined with his story, but it's not our story, It's his story. And the incredible thing is he invites us into his story. And he invites us into his story to play major roles in his story. He says, I want you to be a part of my story. And I want you to take a significant role in this story that's unfolding all around you. Now, to see the picture fully, you need all the puzzle pieces, don't you? 
I mean, how many of you hate it when you get a puzzle out and you're working real hard and you get down to the end and there's like five gone? And that is so frustrating, especially if you have like one of those thousand piece puzzles. That is so frustrating. Every piece of the puzzle matters to the picture. Every piece has a part. Every piece uh, plays a significant role in telling the story in that picture. In Luke chapter 15, Jesus tells this story to show us God's heart towards those who are missing from community. Found in Luke chapter 15, starting in verse 3, it says this, If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others in the wilderness and go and search for the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he will joyfully carry it home on his shoulders. When he arrives, he will call together his friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me because I have found my lost sheep. In the same way, there is more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. God cares very much for those who are missing from his community. God cares very much for the lost sheep. They matter to him. Lost puzzle pieces matter. People that aren't connected with God and his family matter. They matter so much that God sends an all-out search from heaven just to find them. Now I'm going to invite Luke to come back up. And uh, in just a minute, he's going to lead us in a closing uh, worship song. But I have just a, a few rhetorical thoughts for us today and some challenges for us as well related to this. As you think about your life, ask yourself some of these questions. Are you connected to the Creator? Are you personally connected to the Creator, the author of the story? Do you have a relationship with Him? If you don't, what's holding you back? What's holding you back from being connected with the Creator? What is that thing that just keeps you from saying, all right, God, I'm in. I'm, I'm just going to you know, put my, my life in your hands. I'm going to let you take control. I'm going to stop doing things my way. I'm going to start doing things your way. What is that thing that's holding you back? Listen to what Jesus says in John chapter 8. I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. Romans chapter 10 verse 9 says, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's God's invitation. Invitation to you to be invited into the community that he lives in every day, into the Trinity relationship. And my question for you today is, what will you do with that invitation? Will you respond? Or will you still be a lost puzzle piece out there? If you have a relationship with God, what is it like? What's your relationship with God like right now? You know, like in our drama, are you just way too busy to spend time with God? You know, too busy with stuff that matters for today, but for eternity doesn't matter much. And God is inviting you to say, hey, why don't you stop and, you know, maybe pull off the side of the road. Maybe put the phone down. Maybe open your Bible and just like hang out with me just a little bit. Let's talk. I'm interested in you. I want to guide you today. I want to help you in your world. And who do you know around you in your life that is like the lost puzzle piece, just searching for their fit? They just feel like they just don't fit. 
anywhere. They're not quite sure what to do in the world or, or, or where their place is to belong. And, and my question to you is, are you telling them about this story? The epic story that unfolds all around all of us every day and that they have a place. Their puzzle piece, their life has a perfect fit inside the Trinity relationship. Perfect place to be. Place that will, will answer the questions that they have and, and uh, meet those internal needs that they have. They say, you know what, I, I just want to know where I fit. And they can find that in a relationship with God. So are you inviting them into that? Now, Luke is going to lead us in a closing worship song, and then I'm going to come back up with some closing thoughts and close us out for the day. Luke? As we wrap up today, you know, a lot of times it's, it's very difficult to dive into a subject like this and to even really scratch the, the surface of the subject. As we saw in the videos there, you know, the, how do you understand God? How do you grasp Him fully? For those of you who like to go deeper in this subject, on our website, we have a little spot that you can do that. You can study a little deeper. You can look at the verses that we use today, some other verses that are there. Just go to our website, and there's a resource tab, and there's a section that says Going Deeper. And just click that, and then there should be some notes there from today. And next week, we're going to see a twist in the story. I mean, early in the story, our incredible story has this incredible twist with the entrance of evil. And so next week, we invite you to come back and to learn a little bit more of what happened in the story that helps explain what's going on in our world today. John 3.16 says this, For God so loved the world that he gave. Part of what it means to live in a relationship with God is, is giving. When we give, we, we are most like God because God is a giving God. And he wants us to become givers. There's so many ways that we can give. We can give our time, our talents, of our resources. And a part of what God says to all of us, it's a real clear thing in Scripture. God says, I want you to set aside a portion of your income and give it back to me through a local church. Now, the reality is God doesn't need our money. You know, He's not up in heaven, you know, bumming people for lunch money. But God's after our hearts. When He has our money, He knows He's got our hearts. And so there are several ways that you can do that here at Epic. You can give online. Go to our online or our uh, website, and you can give online through, through the, the links there. You can also give. We have some giving boxes stationed around. There's one over here today, and then there's one out by the coffee area that you can give if you're in the habit of writing checks. You can stop and just do that. God wants you to be a giver and learn how to give your life away. That's a big part of the story. What will you do with your puzzle piece? the part that you have to play. Will you use it inside the Trinity relationship? Are you just a lost puzzle piece? What will you do with this? Allow this puzzle piece as it sits in your pocket maybe today or sits on your counter. Allow it to remind you of the story that you're invited into. Let's pray. And then when I'm done praying, what I want you to do is just spend some time getting to know somebody around you before you leave for the day. Don't just up and, and out. Just feel free to, to talk to some people around you and meet some new folks before you leave for the day. Let's pray together. God, there's an incredible story in the Bible that we were looking at today, and it's your story. And you invite us into the story. Lord, I'm so humbled by that on a regular basis. Who am I? Who are we? to be invited into the story by you. And yet, God, you invite us into a vital relationship with the Trinity, a relationship that will transform us, that will help us find meaning and purpose in our lives. Lord, I pray that today we would experience you in a whole new way. 
In the power of Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for being here today, everybody.